Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. If you've got your Bible, you've got a smart device with you, um, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to uh, the Gospel of Mark. Um, the Gospel of Mark, the Bible's divided up into these two big sections. We have um, the Old Testament, which is the, the first big chunk that's Genesis through uh, Malachi. And then um, the second big section is called the New Testament. And um, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we refer to those as the Gospels. We call them the Gospels because gospel means good news. And those books are good news because they tell the story, the life, and the teachings of Jesus. And so today, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Mark chapter one, so it's the second book into the New Testament, and we'll land there in just a moment. Now, uh, my son, he's 13, Luke, some of you know him. He's recently discovered this show on TV that he likes to watch, and it's called Alone. And I've, I've watched a few episodes with him. He's, he's kind of taken with it. He's very infatuated with it and just, just amazed. And, and, and in case you haven't seen it um, before, you're unaware of, of what it is. It's, it's a, a game show of sorts, I guess, only like the worst kind of game show possible because how it, it, how it starts is, is they take 15, 15 people and, and they, they drop them off in a remote wilderness location. And these, each of these 15 people, they are given, um, they are given the, uh, the opportunity to, to select 10 different items off of this pre-approved list that they can take with them. And so they, drop, they, they, they get their stuff and they drop them off in this remote location and they are, they're completely isolated from the outside world, their families, everything. And they're also separated from each other and they are left alone. And that's where kind of the name of the show comes from. And so they're forced right off the bat to find a water source and to build a shelter and then to start hunting and foraging for food um, so that they can survive the longest out in the wilderness all by themselves. And, and whoever survives the longest gets a cool $500,000. And so in, included in their pack of stuff, they have a satellite phone that at any time they can pick it up and they can call like, I don't know who they call, like the producer of the show or like a, you know, so, but, they, but they put in a, a call. It's like the, the Commissioner Gordon bat phone and, you know, the, the authorities come in and, and rescue them and they get them out of there. And, um, you know, I, I've discovered as I've watched some of these episodes with Luke and as he's kind of told me about the different seasons and, and everything, um, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's not the, the living in the wilderness. It's not living off the land and surviving that does most of the people in. It's the separation anxiety that eventually gets the best of them and that drives them to wave the white flag. And, and some of these people, they're only able to make it um, just a handful of days. And some of them have, last for months like months and months that they are out there all alone, but eventually somebody's gonna tap out. They just cannot take it any longer. They cannot handle being alone. Now, I wonder this morning if, if anybody here has ever walked through a season or a situation in their life where they felt isolated or abandoned or alone. Is there anybody like that here today? Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt many of us have experienced 
a situation before that has left us feeling this way. And, and this is how the enemy, our adversary, the devil, this is how he operates, that he wants us to think that the things we experience in life, that we are going through them alone. He wants to isolate us. He's, he's like that lion out in the savanna, and he wants to, to pick on the zebra, you know, the, the weak one, and, and push it away from the rest of the herd so that he can get it by itself and, and ultimately lead to its destruction. Perhaps you're here this morning and you find yourself right in the middle of something like this today. The, the good news is, is that we aren't the first people to ever feel this way and, and we certainly won't be the last. And the even better news is that the Bible provides us with insight on exactly what we need as the remedy when just such a circumstance might arise in our life. This week, we are in part two of a series that we're calling The Miracles of Jesus, where we're taking a look at a handful of the miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospels in order to identify some of the specific principles from those instances that we can apply to our lives and position ourselves to receive our miracle as well. Last week, we kicked off this series by taking a look at the wedding at Cana where Jesus turned the water into wine. And we learned that because of Jesus, the best is yet to come for us. And today, we're going to take a look at a time when Jesus healed a man of his leprosy. So let's jump in together, Mark chapter one, and we're gonna start all the way down towards the end of the chapter in verse 40, and we're gonna read verses 40 through 45. Today, my Bible reads like this. A man with a skin disease came to Jesus. He fell to his knees and begged Jesus, you can heal me if you will. And Jesus felt sorry for the man, so he reached out his hand and touched him and said, I will be healed. And immediately, the disease left the man and he was healed. Jesus told the man to go away at once, but he warned him strongly, don't tell anyone about this, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded for people who are made well. This will show the people what I have done. And the man left there, but began to tell everyone that Jesus had healed him, and so he spread the news about Jesus. And as a result, Jesus could not enter a town if the people saw him, he stayed in places where nobody lived, but people came to him from everywhere. Now, this particular passage is actually found in all three of what are known as the synoptic gospels. And synoptic means taking a common view. And, and it's a reference to the first three books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three authors, they write about Jesus' life and teaching from a similar or a common, a synoptic point of view and thematic underscore, while the book of John, and, and under John's authorship, it takes quite a different approach to the life and the teachings of Jesus um, in its entirety. And, and even in the instances where the same event is written about in these synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each author provides subtle details that might differ slightly from the other accounts. And, and some have suggested that this means that the Bible is contradictory 
of itself, but, but I believe that it provides us a much fuller and richer understanding of these events as they took place all those years ago. It would be no different today if I pulled two, three, or four of you aside that were eyewitnesses to a particular event that, that took place and, and I, I got you to share with me your account. No, no doubt that the differences in our personalities and from where we were standing and our viewpoint and everything would cause us to share a few different, uh, a few different um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> perspectives and a few different um, ideas about uh, the things that we had seen. We would, we would share different details um, about the things that we had experienced. And so, so all of these, they, they share different perspectives on this, but they highlight different details. And, and for our passage today, we're focusing on Mark's account. But for those of you that may be interested, you can find other accounts of this miracle of Jesus in Matthew chapter eight, and then also Luke chapter five. And and they provide a, a, a little bit different perspective and some other details to be considered. But as we jump into this gospel of Mark and we look at this story, this passage, this event that took place of, of Jesus healing this man of leprosy, we need, I think we first need to start by putting ourselves in this guy's shoes. We need to really understand, if we can, the, the fullness of what he was dealing with. Perhaps he had come in from the fields one day. He'd been out plowing and he had a blister come up on his hand and he had shown it to his wife and she had prepared um, her best home remedy and, and lovingly applied it to the affected area. And then a week went by and then in two weeks, but instead of getting better, the blister only got worse. And in fact, it was, it was starting to spread and hoping that she was wrong, his wife suggested that he may need to pay a visit to the priest. See, in that day, the, the sick, they would go to the priest, and particular though, particularly those with, with skin diseases and with leprosy, they would go to the priest, and the priest would, would diagnose those who had contracted leprosy, and then he was responsible to exile them into quarantine. And so he begrudgingly agreed with his wife, and the next morning, he went to show himself to the priest. And the priest had examined him from top to bottom. And after that, this man's worst nightmare became a reality. It was confirmed. He had leprosy. And although he wanted to go home and tell his wife the news, he knew that he couldn't. He'd never be able to come in close contact with her again. He'd walk side by side with her, holding her hand for the last time. He would no longer be able to hold his children in his arms. And his family would learn of the news after realizing that he hadn't returned home from his visit with the priest. He'd spend the rest of his days in isolation, treated as an outcast or an abomination. He'd be forced to declare, unclean, unclean, anytime he got with an earshot of another human being. His family would no doubt write him letters and bring him food, but he couldn't enjoy those things until long after they were gone from the place where they left it. And the days would have grown into weeks, the weeks into months, the months into years. His children, whom he'd watched grow up from afar, were now married and 
had families, kids of their own. His wife now beginning to wrinkle and gray. She had experienced her own kind of isolation, having her husband taken from her so abruptly all those years ago. Until one day, Jesus comes to town. And that made all the difference in the life of this man. And I believe there's, there's four specific principles that, that, we can, that we can mine out of this passage that I'd like to, like to share with you today. If you're taking notes, I wanna encourage you to write these down. Four things that we can take from, from this story of this man being healed by Jesus of leprosy. That if we would apply these things in our own life, we too can see our miracle become a reality. And the first is simply that we need to approach Jesus in humility. We need to approach Jesus in humility. In verse 40, it says, the man came to Jesus that, that he fell to his knees and begged Jesus. The man wasn't asking Jesus why this thing had happened to him. The, the man wasn't angry about the life that he'd missed out on. He wasn't calling Jesus into question why he was facing the situation that he was facing. He, he was simply crying out to Jesus for healing. This man recognized Jesus for who he was. And he knew that man named Jesus can touch me. He can heal me. He can transform my situation. And when we approach Jesus, we need to approach him with an attitude of honor. We need to realize that he doesn't owe us anything. It's only by his grace. Jesus went to the cross to die for you and for me. And if he never gives us anything else, that is more than enough. It was something that you and I never deserved in the first place. And so when we approach the throne of Jesus, we do so with honor and humility because it is only by his grace that you and I are changed. We haven't done anything to deserve or to warrant him doing anything for us. And so we approach him recognizing who he is and putting him in the right place in our lives. And we come to him humbly on our knees, begging for him to reach out and touch us. Amen? So first, we've got to approach Jesus in humility. The second thing is that we've got to surrender to Jesus' will. We've got to surrender to Jesus' will. Verse 40 continues, the man cries out to Jesus and he says, you can heal me if you will. See, this man, he, he recognized that it wasn't about his agenda. It's not about our agenda when we come to Jesus. We don't go to Jesus making demands about what he's going to do. See, some of us, we, we need to stop telling Jesus how he needs to operate, and we need to start asking him how he wants to move in our life. A lot of us, we approach Jesus and we've got it all figured out for him. And we're telling him, if you'll just do this and this and this and this, then everything will be okay. And Jesus is saying, if you would just shut up long enough for me to tell you what I want to do, that would make all the difference. We need to remember that he's God and we're not. 
We need to remember that he's got the answers and we don't. And so when we approach him, we've got to surrender to his will. God, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want for me. And so when we come to him humbly and we say, Father, we surrender to you. We surrender to your will, what you're wanting to do in our lives. Lord, I believe that you can heal me if you will. We surrender to his will. The third thing, these are pretty rapid fire here. Not only do we approach Jesus in humility, not only must we surrender to Jesus' will, but the third thing that I believe this passage uncovers for us is the fact that Jesus will transform what we allow him to touch. Jesus will transform what we allow him to touch. Verse 41 says that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I will be healed. And immediately the disease left the man and he was healed. Now, this man hadn't been afforded personal contact with another person in quite some time, likely a number of years. He hadn't felt the warm embrace of another human being since the day he was diagnosed with his ailment. And be reminded that when others approached him before, he'd have to warn them, hey, you, you can't touch me. You, you can't get near me. I'm unclean. Like, you don't, you don't understand. You've got to stay away. And, and now Jesus, he, he's, he's coming to Jesus, and he's inviting Jesus in to get up close and personal. He's taking a risk here. And there's something that, that this man found out that day about Jesus that, that you and I need to come to understand as well. It's that Jesus is not some far off God who's out of touch with his people. No, he is up close and he is personal with us. And, and when he reaches out and touches us, we cannot help but be transformed by what he wants to do in our life. Whatever Jesus touches, he transforms. It is changed forever. We need to understand that, that Jesus is not put off by our mess. Like he's not afraid to step into the dark places of our life. He, he's not afraid to get down and, and, and dirty with us if, if he needs to. He's willing to step right in the middle of our junk, right in the middle of our stuff, right in the middle, get up close and personal. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. The man just came to Jesus and said, I, I believe that you can heal me if you will. He, he wasn't expecting Jesus to touch him because you don't do that. You don't touch somebody with leprosy. You can get it too, right? That's how it's, that's how it's contracted. That's how, that's, that's, it's, it's contagious. No, Jesus, don't, don't, don't touch me. You might get it on you. Jesus isn't scared of what we've got going on. He's not afraid of it. He's, he's conquered what we are dealing with. He is already overcome and he steps right into the middle of our mess and, and he's willing to reach out and take hold of it. And when he does, there is no doubt that when Jesus reaches out and touches our life, there is no doubt that we will have had an encounter with the Lord Most High. The Bible says that, that as soon as Jesus touched him, immediately the disease left the man and he was healed. There wasn't any trace of leprosy 
left. Jesus didn't, didn't just heal him part of the way. It was a total transformation, complete. Jesus hasn't come into your life to leave you hanging. Jesus wants to touch you. He wants to transform you, and he wants it to be complete and whole. When he touches you, the transformation that takes place, it is, it is 100%. And that is what he's wanting to do in the hearts and lives of people today. And when he does, number four, when Jesus comes in and touches us and we become transformed, number four, our transformation will become our testimony. Our transformation will become our testimony. This is my favorite part. Verse 45 the man began to tell everyone that Jesus had healed him. And so he spread the news about Jesus. So much so that Jesus, he couldn't even go into the common places of the towns anymore. He would have to go out into the wilderness and, and the people, they would flock by the droves out to come and meet Jesus, to be touched by him, to hear him speak. See, for years, this man had believed that his story was already written. But when Jesus came to town, he realized that there was yet another chapter to be added. Some of you in this place this morning, the devil has been trying to convince you for some time that your story has already been written. He's trying to get you to, to focus on two words, the end. He's trying to make you think that the situation that you're dealing with, the struggle that you are facing right now, that, that it is not only your present, but also your future reality. And many of us have bought into that lie. Many of us have succumbed to what the devil is whispering in our ear. And we've begun to believe that, well, this is just the hand I've been dealt. This is just how it's gonna be for me. But I came to tell somebody today that your story isn't over. Jesus, whom the Bible calls the author and finisher of our faith, he is set down at his desk and he is beginning to write a new chapter. And I can envision Jesus, he is, he is pulling out his quill and he is dipping it into an ink well that is filled with his blood that was shed on Calvary. And you know that when we go to make edits that we do it in red, right? When we go to make corrections, we do them in red. And, and I can just see Jesus there at his desk. And, and he's looking over the story of some people's lives today. He's looking at you and the situation that you've been facing. He's, he's looking at the struggle that you have been so desperately trying to endure. And he's got his pen in hand. And he is starting to make some corrections in big, bold letters. And where the, where the devil wrote, wrote in sadness to your story, Jesus is scratching that out and he's writing joy this morning. Where, where the devil is, has written in sickness, Jesus, he's marked that out and in big red letters, he's written healing. Where the devil wrote disapproval, Jesus is writing in favor. Where the devil wrote lack, Jesus is saying, no, I'm scratching out that lack and I'm writing out provision over your life. Where the devil has written in fear, Jesus is writing in courage. Where the devil is writing in doubt, Jesus is writing faith over top of that doubt. Where the devil has written in isolation, Jesus, he's marked that out and he has written belonging. 
Where the devil has written brokenness, Jesus is writing wholeness. Where the devil wrote sin and punishment, Jesus is writing grace and forgiveness. Where the devil is writing defeat, Jesus is writing victory in your life today. And can you just see this man? After Jesus has touched him, he's, he's running through the streets of town on his way home, and he's, he's frantic about it, and he can't believe what has just happened, and he's looking at his body, and he's been transformed. He's been made whole, and, and he's coming in contact with people, and, and he's on his way to see his family, and, and the people of the town, they would have recognized him. They, they would have known, hey, that's the dude that has leprosy. Why is he getting up in my bubble? And he's running up to these people and he's giving them high fives and they're freaking out. They don't know what's going on. And some of them, he's grabbing them and he's giving them a big bear hug and they're freaking out because they think it's going to get on them. And, and then he holds up his hands and, and he shows them his body and they're like, but weren't you the, and he says, yes, but Jesus touched me. Jesus touched me, and my life has been transformed. He's showing, and he, he runs home to his wife, and he, he knocks the door down, and he runs in, and he says, baby, look, I've been made whole today because Jesus touched me. There's an old song that I can remember as a kid sitting in the pew of the church that I grew up in this old chorus that they would sing, and, and Bill Gaither actually claimed to have written it. But I think this song was written way longer before he claimed to do it. I think it was written on the day that this man was healed of his leprosy, and the words go like this. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. Since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. I can hear him, hear that man shouting through the streets. Jesus has touched me. And I believe that he sang this chorus that day. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. I don't know what it was, but something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Jesus touched me and made me whole. I believe somebody in this house is going to leave here declaring that as their testimony today somebody here came in their marriage was headed straight for divorce but then Jesus came to town and he touched you my, my finances were in shambles but then Jesus showed up and he touched me I, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and I had no future but, but Jesus came and he touched me I was destined straight for hell 
and go in there as quick as I possibly could. But then Jesus showed up in my life and he touched me and now I will never be the same. And the people out in the world that know you, they're gonna look at you and they're gonna wonder, isn't that that one couple that used to fight all the time? Isn't that that one guy that we would see strung out all the time? Isn't that that one person they're always trying to bum money off of me because they couldn't pay their bills? Isn't that that guy like, isn't that him? Isn't that her? Is that you? And you'll just be able to tell them, yeah, that's who I used to be. But then I had an encounter with Jesus. See, Jesus came in and he touched me and he transformed my life. He transformed my situation and I am forever changed. Because when Jesus touches us, when he gets a hold of us, we can't help but be transformed. He's an up close and a personal God today. And isn't it interesting that the ceremony that Jesus left, he left us with this ceremony and he said, do this to remember me. The ceremony that he left us is called communion. This word commune, to commune with somebody means to be intimate in communication. To be intimate with someone, you have to be up close and personal with them. It's, it's in a whisper. You can't hear a whisper from a far distance. You gotta be right there in somebody's face. And the very elements that we were given for communion, they're representative of Jesus' body and his blood. And so to, to receive communion is to get up close and personal with Jesus. And, and through his body, through his blood, we are cleansed, we are healed, we are made whole. And, and today, as we share in this meal together at the table of the Lord, I want to encourage you, don't just look at these elements as a little wafer and a small cup of juice. No, the, these elements today, they are the very person of Jesus Christ, his body, his blood, and he's drawn close to us today. And as we receive these elements today in just a moment, I, I want to invite you I, I, want, I want you to invite Jesus to touch you at the very point of your need today so that your life can be transformed. He's given us these elements there. They're personal. They're so that we can, we can touch and we can feel. He's not some far off God. Even in his seeming absence, he's still given us his body to receive so that we can be touched by Jesus. And there's some husbands and wives here today that you need to partake in this communion together, believing for God to transform your marriage. There's some parents here today that you need to partake these elements, believing Jesus to transform your family and your relationships with your children. Someone here today needs to partake of these elements, believing on Jesus to transform their financial situation. There's somebody in this house today that, that needs to partake of these elements and, and in doing so, believe on Jesus as a Lord and Savior of their life, surrendering themselves to him. There's some people here this morning that they, you, need to, you need to partake of these elements, believing on Jesus to provide your complete and total healing 
today. He's an up close and personal God. And he's come to shine the light, his light in the darkest places of our lives. He alone makes the darkness tremble. He alone silences fear. He will not be denied. He cannot be overcome. And he, Jesus, invites you to the table today to come and commune with him up close and personal to receive his touch and to be transformed. In just a moment, the band's going to lead us in worship. And I'm gonna invite you to step forward and get your elements so that we can participate in this communion together. We've got three stations set up here in the front and there's two at the back of the room. If you're in one of these front three sections, simply exit to your left, get your elements and then return to the right side of your rows. If you're in one of the back three sections, simply step out to the communion station that is closest to you to get your elements and then return to your seat. This is the body of Christ that was broken for you so that you might be healed and made whole. This is the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. You're invited today to take and eat and drink and be transformed by the touch of Jesus today. I invite you to stand, come and get your elements and let's worship together. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.